You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to Stop Hammer Time. And as we uh, fast approach the end of the season, uh, we've got a few games to talk about. We've got, of course, Eintracht Frankfurt away to talk about. And then uh, our bouncing back performance, at our bounce back ability, as Ian Dowie calls it, performance at Norwich. And here to discuss those are uh, head honcho, originator, founder member, OG, as the kids say, of Pride of Irons, the LGBTQI uh, West Ham fan group. It's Jim Dolan. Hello, Jim. Hello, Phil. Guten Tag, wie geht's? Oh, you're still you're 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 still talking German. Just even- oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Have to, yeah, it's going to take a bit of time to get that to get that out of my system. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm not surprised, and I want to hear all about your trip uh, in a few moments. In the company of a journalist, writer about all things tech, it's Dan Silver. Hello. Hi, Dan. I'm not How are you? Speak in German. I, I, I do have a German GCSE though, so I could give you a few phrases. Yeah. Ich nicht haben ein GCSE im Deutsch. Yeah. Zusammen können wir understand what Jim says if he talks German long time. Wie kommen wir am besten zum Bahnhof, bitte? Yes, Dan. Yes. Do you come from near the station? Did you come via the station? Can you tell me how to get to the station? Ah. Oh, that must have been a useful. That must have been a useful phrase. Uh, it would have been, yeah, if I was there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, um, let's plunge straight in with the Eintracht Frankfurt game. Jim, you went to the game. Uh, I, now, I did. Dan, you were going to go to the game. I was. Yes, I had flights booked. Um, in a in a moment of rash overconfidence in the second half against Leon away, I went. I thought we've won this. Went straight on the internet, booked flights, and thought, "Hey, I've got ahead of the curve here. I've got flights before the prices have gone up. Amazing!" Yeah. And I've got two weeks to get hold of a ticket. Thought I had a ticket. My ticket fell through, and right up until the day. Well, in fact, I, I cancelled my flight during check in. I was like, "No, that's it. I think I, my my window has gone." I just didn't want to go out there without one. I don't know. I didn't want to risk it. What a pisser. Well, someone someone who did go out there without one is Jim. 
Um, so yeah, there was people selling them, apparently quite a lot of people, some for up to 800 euros, which I wow. did not pay, could not no. afford to pay, but luckily got hold of some, um, which made the trip worthwhile because the day before the game, uh, me and my buddy got jumped by uh, five Eintracht Frankfurt Ultras. I, I mean, I say Ultras. I came out of it fine, as you can see. There's no cuts and bruises, but um, yeah, that Holy was uh, an experience. Yeah. Uh, so where where did this happen? We thought we were being really sensible going to the east of the city, away from all the bars and stuff, just for a spot yeah. of lunch the day before. Um, and I thought I dressed pretty German. I was in black shorts, white socks, black Dr. Martin boots, black T-shirt. You know, look, look, and your hair slipped back, look very German. My friend, unfortunately, was in blue jeans, white trainers, and a polo shirt. So you I think like that's... A, you think what you're seeing to be describing a white supremacist. Yeah. <laughs> Is that yeah, really no, the but... look you were going for? <laughs> you know, short shorts and boots. That's very European. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so v- very undignified, actually. I'd... Um, I had a blister, so I went to the pharmacy and got myself some compede plasters. And I was sat on a bench with uh, my boot off and my sock rolled halfway off my foot. And next thing you know, there's these five pairs of feet in front of me. <laughs> so I look up and there's Holy these guys shit. in black masks, black caps, hoods, you know, all in black. And um, the guy says, uh, the guy at the front says, um, US Ham, US Ham. And my mate just went, nine. <laughs> <laughs> so they were Brilliant. like so the guy Sprecher Deutsch Sprecher Deutsch which we, we can't and the whole time I'm there just trying to get this fucking plaster on so I can get my boot on so we can leg it but next thing you know I've got you know fists raining down on me um, getting punched in the head oh, so I kind of cur- curled up into a ball a little bit um, I think I was quite lucky because I was sat down they were sort of punching downwards they weren't getting a good swing yeah um, so I kind of rolled to one side on this bench booted one of them with my still booted foot and then kind of rolled off the bench and legged it to the other side of the road and sort of turned around to see I you know I assumed they'd be behind us so I turned around to see how far behind they were and they just stayed there um right. they're shout, shouting things and they picked up my boot and I thought oh here we fucking go they're gonna steal my boot add insult to injury but they threw it at us. Brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> so that's it obviously completely missed. So I just kind of picked up and went, oh, thanks. And, and then they all legged it. So, um, yeah, that was an experience. I got Whoa. punched in the head several times, punched and or kicked, I don't know, in the ribs. I had my face covered at the time. But um, no, no, no real damage, to be honest. Um, but it yeah, was a pretty... Lucky. Yeah, at the time it was scary. Afterwards, I found it amusing. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, but then when we got back to the hotel, a similar thing had happened to some of the guys there. They'd been, again, kind of ambushed, attacked, and then the guys ran away. But unfortunately, um, the poor poor chap got bottled, and he had to have stitches in the top of his head. Yeah. So um, it's all rather nasty. From what I hear, they were driving around in a van and literally kind of jumping out and ambushing West Ham fans, then driving off. Oh, that's nasty. Sort of, there's something yeah. about the organisedness of, of that that's particularly, mm. you know, rip, sort of nasty yeah i mean yeah. I've, I've never been um someone who you know sees any glamour in hooliganism no. at least when our lot used to do it back in the day they'd fight each other and kind of stand there and there'd be a to and fro but this was just kind of assault and then you yeah know, running away which seemed quite cowardly yeah um yeah quite i mean um Sam Delaney was on uh, a couple of weeks ago and he i don't know if he went to frankfurt but he certainly went to um uh Seville and uh without oh, the Frank- is that when the Frankfurt fans were there as well? 
No, no. He he went he went without a ticket. Is sort of my point, and um, picked up a ticket in the away end, uh, and also ah. quite a few people that sort of knew somebody who lived in France or had friends or family who lived in France or in Spain or in you know uh, or in Germany. I guess. Um, in fact, I've got a friend who's an Eintracht Frankfurt fan, and it did occur to me until I realised that I would in fact be on holiday when the game was on, uh, contacting him to see if he wanted to get a ticket and let me go with him. Um, but uh, yeah, our, uh, one of our mutual friends, who's I might not say his name because uh, because of what I'm about to say, he's been to he went to quite a few group stage games and certainly one of them I think might have been the Genk game. He obviously, if someone else gives you one of their tickets, there is a problem because your uh, your identity is checked, especially sort of in probably post COVID times, uh, as well as for footballing reasons. And so he uh, forged a passport to match the ticket uh, so that he could prove his identity from that, which is a brilliantly inventive bit of football fandom. That's amazing. Uh, yeah, absolutely brilliant. brilliant. Yeah, really good. Um, and uh, Jim, there were quite a few people you knew out there. Did you bumped in? Did you bump into Marie Parks, Phil Parks? Well, yeah, so Marie and Jackie, Jackie um, actually Hughes. booked into the same hotel as us. So the evening that we got back uh, from this, uh, you know, being jumped, um, Jackie had arrived and we're telling her what happened. And then the next thing you know, this car pulls up and um, Colton Cole gets out of it. And, oh, yeah. Uh, and then Joe Cole. And it turns out the whole BT sport lot were in our hotel, which uh, was br- absolutely brilliant. Just, yeah. just such a great atmosphere. It really, really just made the trip it was that is fantastic oh, yeah phenomenal. jackie posted some pictures of her with colton and joe she must have been made up oh she yeah loves, she loves colton <laughs> she loves colton <laughs> carnally and joe cole emotionally um yeah yeah but, um, oh, yeah so been... uh, that, that 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 made it you know made it kind of a bit better you know, i forgot forgot about being sort of slapped about a bit after that it's, you know yeah the hotel with some legends in it yeah, quite a few, quite a few of the uh, friends that we've made through this podcast. Uh, I think we're out there. I think Dave Quinn was out there. Um, uh, Gary Stewart was out there. Um, Chris Miles was there. Chris Miles was there. Yeah, absolutely, quite a few of them. Um, so what? So the game. Um, obviously, yes. I was, I was in the middle of the Red Sea at the time, so I didn't. We didn't. I didn't get any connectivity until we, the boat we were on came quite near some land at one point and uh, someone I was with not not internet but got a bit of roaming on their phone and uh because they were looking for some other football result and they told me they got the BBC's little rundown of the game uh and the order of events the sending off their goal but apart from that I saw a little little highlights package uh on the BT website but that's it what was it like the well before the game, just before the, the actual game itself, it was the, the atmosphere was just amazing. We walked through this uh, forest to get to their game, their ground, which yeah. was pretty odd. And um, when you got there, I, I, you know, I, I'm not a massive, um, massively against our stadium. I don't hate it as much as some do, but yeah. that stadium at Fr- Frankfurt is just amazing. It is beautiful. Like yeah. the, the outside, there's no segregation to the outside. You know, everyone kind of dips in and out of blocks and you can go to the bars. But once you get in there, once you get inside, it's breathtaking. Yeah, mm. just, just it's a football dream. It's a dream stadium, honestly. Yeah. Um, 
and the the game itself obviously quite disappointing. I think the Frankfurt fans um, were very well drilled. They absolutely drowned us out for the whole game. Yeah. Uh, but I don't know what those shenanigans down at the end where the you know the ultras are. But I can't believe that that's legal in the game because you know, we were shooting in that direction and it was just a wall of smoke and flares. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Surely that's gamesmanship, you would have thought, right? You would have thought so, wouldn't you? Yeah, yeah. Yes, no, I did see some photographs of it and some clips. Yes, looked like, yeah, it was absolutely, it was like a kind of gothic band's gig. It was like a mission gig or Sisters of Mercy. The amount of just smoke and lights coming from that end of the ground. Yeah, it was amazing. Um, What was the the mood in in the away end when the red card happened? Did everyone think that's it? Or, I think we're just in disbelief, absolute disbelief. And I think a lot of the decisions that that the ref made that evening just left us in disbelief. You know, at one point I think Bowen went down outside their box, and the whistle, you know, the ref blew up the whistle, and Jackie said, "Thank fuck, he's finally going to give us something." I was like, "No, Jack, he's just given Bowen a yellow card." Um, So, you know, it's that thing sometimes when you're at the game, actually, you don't get the full view that perhaps you do when you're at home and you've got all the camera angles. And we, we were just, you know, thinking maybe we're, maybe we're drunk and high on the occasion and we're biased, but it did really seem like nothing fell for us. But yeah, when the, when the card came out for, for Cresswell, it did just, you know, you, you could see everything changed. I don't think there was a plan B at that point. And you could tell Johnson was like a deer in the headlights. Everything was coming through him from that point. You know, the goal came through him, but at that point, onwards everything just kind of seemed to come past him on the on the left yeah um and it sucked the life out of, out of our team yeah yeah uh but but i mean certainly the highlights packages showed that i mean they obviously you know uh, playing 10 men they only scored once i mean there's an argument that they only needed to score once just to make sure things up and get to a 3-1 aggregate win but um we had some chances didn't we we t- we didn't play we didn't play badly uh, we stayed in the game and gave them, you know, gave them something to think about. It looked like, at least from the highlights package I watched. Yeah, I mean, I mean, watching from home, I think they very much played within themselves after that point. I don't think they needed to play any better. You know, no. seven minutes or whatever it was after the red card, they scored. And then it was just like, you know, they were quite happy to see it out. I think if we had have managed to pot one away... I imagine they would have just stepped up a little bit and probably got another one. I think they were quite happy to kind of keep the score as it was. Yeah. Um, and, you know, if, if by some miracle we'd have got two and gone to extra time, I think our players would have been dead on the on the floor while yeah. the, the Frankfurt guys just tiptoed around and they weren't really expending a huge amount of energy at all. Whereas we were, you know, to our enormous credit, absolutely giving it everything. I don't think anyone in that in those 10 men thought that's it it's over and you know right up until the end when Suchek flashed his head away you know they yeah. were still really going for it but I think yeah. I think we were it pains me to say reasonably comfortably beaten over two legs yeah 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 absolutely yeah uh, we'll carry on with this after this message Welcome back. Uh, uh, talking of the refereeing in that game, it is the uh, the, the clip that's gone viral of uh, uh, Rice uh, giving a right mouthful to the ref. Is from that game, isn't it? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, good for him. Good for him. I mean, we you know we've had this season. We've just had some terrible refereeing 
going against us. I think, um, you know, uh, the Leon game was, was you know, similarly just atrocious referee. And, and that was the guy who was done for match fixing, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> it's a guy that's so done you can't blame fixing. you can't blame Rice for being a bit kind of like, well... <laughs> yeah, know, absolutely. It's happening. Yeah, it's happening again. You know, there's a pattern. Yeah, there's a pattern forming. And uh, <laughs> when there's evidence of sort of match fixing from one of the previous referees we've sort of struggled with, it, it, you know, it's difficult not to uh, sort of draw some conclusions. But well, I think Rice was right to kind of lose his shit. People were sort of talking about him being a little bit unprofessional, but I think it's, you know, I think he was perfectly within his rights. Um but uh, yeah, you know, it's uh, we got to the semi-final of that tournament, and uh, I think it was all credit to the team. We did a fantastic job. You know, um, I wonder how early on people speculatively bought tickets to later fixtures. I wonder if after Genk away, people were buying tickets for the final in Seville. Well, a friend of mine booked his Seville hotel last August for the final. <laughs> Right. Which, again, he had to reluctantly give up uh, this week. I mean, I also bought flights to Seville or oh, did you? Malaga to get a train down to the final. I had a hotel booked in Seville. And I'd even uh, won a ticket in the... Or won the, uh, won the opportunity to buy a ticket for the final in the UEFA ballot as well. So oh, wow. I was absolutely nailed on to the final, which I'm convinced is the reason why we're not there. <laughs> yeah, I'm, yeah. I mean, yeah, it. Jim and I were certainly going to go to the final if we if we got through to it. And uh, um, I think Jim sort of, you know, had tickets for it or could get tickets for it if we got to the final. So we were going to, we were definitely going to go to that. Um, so that was a shame. But... Um, you know, I saw on social media, I saw you know, some people sort of positing that, you know, our remaining fixtures in the league after that, um, after losing in uh, the Europa League, were sort of not all that easy. Uh, you know, obviously the game at the weekend and Brighton's no fun. Uh, and that possibly we might... Um, slightly capitulate and uh possibly I, I read somebody say might not get another point after that um and uh we uh, we bounced back extremely well at norwich uh and so, um, i mean you know there's an argument that anyone can beat them at the moment but you you know sometimes teams that are relegated or look like they're going to be relegated play with a bit of freedom and uh you know certainly you know you couldn't take that game for granted and additionally, you know, the old saying, you know, if you uh, haven't won in a while or a player hasn't yeah. scored in a while, you know who you need to play. So yeah, it could have been absolutely. Yeah, I mean, Norwich were dreadful. I mean, I think, that, you know, I don't think we could have asked for a better game. Um, you know, it's like Antonio's personal training pitch at the moment, Carrow Road, isn't it? He scored yeah. four last time he was there, picked up another one this week. Um, I mean, it, it's astonishing how bad they were. If that's them playing with freedom, then my goodness, I mean, yeah. they're going to go down another division, I think, next season. But I, I mean, I think, you know, I was one of those people who was worried that, you know, when the, that if we lost in the semi-final, our season would just kind of dribble away and it would be a real anti-climax. But I think, I think Manchester United have done us a real favour by just opening Being that shit. door a little bit. Well, yeah, you know, it's like, if if they were if there was no chance of us getting sick, then I think yeah, the team would probably you know kind of just peter out a little bit, and it would all be about Mark Noble, and and that would be the kind of focus of the season. But the yeah. fact that we can now 
finished sixth, I mean, admittedly, okay, we've got to beat Brighton, which is something we don't always do, and we've got to get something against Man City. Yeah. Um, but there's that chance there, and, and I feel like that's galvanising the team a little bit. And I think it's, yeah, I, I agree. kind of do it for nobs. I mean, Declan Rice's interview after the game in Frankfurt, where he was just like, you know, the thing, yeah, he wanted to get to the final, wanted to win it, but the thing, you know, he was really cut up about, he wanted to do it for nobs, and they all wanted yeah. to get to that final to give him the send-off he wanted. And I, and I feel there's now a bit of a regalvanized spirit in the team. And yeah. you know, I'm, I'm prepared for something unexpected to happen on Sunday. Absolutely, absolutely. I, um, you know, uh, I think for months, I, I, well, possibly since the season started, I sort of, I thought we might finish seventh and I thought we might finish between sort of sixth and eighth. Uh, I was hoping for sixth kind of half expecting eighth but and thought we'd finish about seventh but um certainly a couple of podcasts ago again sam sam said you know united are in such disarray i think we're going to leapfrog them i think we're going to finish six and i was like yeah that's you know that's a big ask uh, but that was a few weeks ago now and a couple of results have kept them you know within within our range and in fact it's sort of incredibly delicately poised isn't it it's a lot of pressure on them yeah. for one game against Crystal Palace, who are going well. Palace away on the last game of the season is not going to be a, an easy ride for Man United. No. That's not a fixture they'd want to be in that position in. And, you know, Brighton away is not a fixture we'd want either. No. But I would True. back us against Man United at the moment, you know, hostage to fortune and all of that. But I think, I think we're in a good place. I think this yeah. is something in the team as well. They've, they've had a taste of it now. They've had a taste of the Europa League and... Yeah, what a journey it's been for all of us. Surely they they want it again. They're, yeah. they're going to fight. I, I think that's what it is. And that, you know, they want to fight tooth and nail to at least do the best they can to try and get it again, as much as it's still within our control. Um, because it, it has been, I sound like a kid, but it has been magical. It's been a magical yeah. season. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, anybody, you know, even if we finish seventh, uh, y- you know, you can, um, and in fact, I've seen uh, people saying, you know, uh, we had a big chance and uh, we let it go. This season's going to peter out. Uh, it's going to be sort of worse than last season. Seventh place, if we finish seventh, will be worse than sixth, uh, literally. But we've played in a European tournament and got to the semi-final this season, which we didn't do last season. So I think, you know, uh, and, and it's two good seasons in a row, which we haven't done for, you know, possibly decades. It, it drives me insane. Are you familiar with the concept of the Overton window in mm, politics? No. So it's a term named after an American policy analyst called Joseph Overton. And it basically, it's like, it talks about the range of policies politically that are, are acceptable to the mainstream population at any given time. And it shifts with time. So um, a policy that might be considered, say, radically right wing at one point, I don't know, like um, sending asylum seekers also Rwanda as the window shifts then suddenly that becomes a policy that is perfectly acceptable at a different period of time so mm. over time what's acceptable changes and I think there's something similar that goes on with football fans and success so our window are kind of what determines a successful season or successful period constantly shifts and at the moment West Ham's success window is like bricked in. I mean, it's it doesn't exist. Like by any objective yardstick, finishing seventh, uh, reaching a major European semi-final, a League Cup quarter-final, having knocked out both Manchester clubs along the way, 
That's yeah. a hugely successful season. You know, it's surely in our top 10 seasons ever. Yeah. People go, well, it's not as good as last season. Yeah. Or, you know, we should have gone one, we should be sixth, or we should have been in the final. It's like, these are the good times. Right? Yeah, this is what I don't get about um, like Spurs. I saw a thing online, like Spurs fans celebrating when we lost the semi-final. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I, I'm like, I get it, right? You're trying to you're trying to take the piss. You're trying to make us feel like shit. But honestly, even after we lost that game, I know not everyone feels the same way, but I still felt so proud. So, so proud. Because like you've just said, right, we've got to where we are now in the league and got that far in this competition. And actually, you know, okay, first leg of the semi-final, we got sucker punched with that first goal. That was sloppy. Yeah. That if we hadn't done, if that hadn't happened, I know your ifs and buts, but if that hadn't happened, if the red card hadn't happened, that could have been very different. I, I get what you mean. We were we were beaten. We were well beaten on the day. But actually, are they a, that much of a better team than us? You know, on another day, I'm not sure that that they would have beaten us. And and I think that's the exciting thing is we could have we could have gone all the way. And why not? You know, look to do yes, it again. absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I think our performance in the group stages uh, and, you know, in the first couple of games after that, you know, the Seville fixture, um, you know, we were a very good outfit. We're a very good outfit away from home. Uh, and, um, you know, I think sort of English clubs are sort of coming good now in, in the European tournaments. You know, in the first, you know, almost decade and a half of the Premier League, um, English clubs were going out of the Champions League, you know, in the kind of last 16 stages and stuff. But now they're regularly in the finals in the last few years. And I think it's because, you know, I, th- I think managers have sort of maybe understand how you have to play in the Champions League a little bit better. Uh, and we, you know, because our because the Premier League's kind of huffing and puffing and closing down and the tempo that everyone talks about in the Premier League, that doesn't necessarily really wash in in Europe, you know um they're happy to let us do that in front of them you know but but we looked good in all of those away games and we looked good against Leon and Seville you know um and uh, yeah there's absolutely no reason why we can't sort of do it again uh yeah so it'd be fabulous to finish uh, but I, think, I think the difference is is that the the you know what you were saying um there Dan about like the the expectation I think as much as we'd like to be there again I don't think the majority of our fans do have a crazy expectation because we're so used to just being downtrodden all the time and and so used to the lack of success. I mean, I'm sure there's a few people who've got ahead of themselves who are like, well, now we need to, you know, we need to be doing this next. But I don't know, Most maybe it's just the people I speak to, but most people I speak to who support West Ham are just, you know, not, this is, they believe like this is the one. Well, no, but I, they're, not, they're not real people. They're, you know, bucket shouters whatever you want to call them but like most people are like i, I certainly went into the view of this could be a once in a lifetime thing yeah, yeah that's why we treasure yeah. it so much and i think that's what hurt the most um after the game last week oh god it's only a week ago it feels like a lifetime ago already that sent that that notion that this might have been our chance this might be the last yeah. one that yeah, we yeah. get that was the thing that really kind of stuck in my core my my son is uh 15 and you know he's like oh, you know, this might never happen in my lifetime again. I'm like, well, hopefully it'll happen in yours. He goes, it didn't happen in yours. I'm like, yeah, well, that's a fair point. You know, it's taken <laughs> yeah, yeah. 40 years for me to, to get to this point. Maybe it will take another 25 for you. But that, I mean, we have to believe, and, and I've, I've kind of had this conversation on Twitter with a lot of people this week, we have to believe this is the beginning of something rather than the end of something. We have to. I know it goes against everything yeah. in our club's nature, everything in our club's DNA, 
but it feels like with this management set up with you know what we're what i'm led to believe will be the change of ownership very soon you mm. have to believe this is the beginning of something rather than the end yeah you have a few moments of opportunity don't you and then i think the last time we had one was after the pirate season and we didn't seize it and i i can't believe there will be that you know they'll allow us to to miss out again on, a, on another launch pad no, well, I mean, I, you know, I, I entirely blame the manager for that that collapse after the Pio season, and uh, um, you know, we've got a we've got a much better manager this time around. You know, what I was delighted about last season was, you know, if you work really hard, what you sort of get is a seat at the table, which is that your club. Um, has a say in the kind of outcome of the premiership season and various kind of things that happen around that, the, the, the domestic trophies, Europe and all that stuff. And, you know, last year we were sort of uh, a, an important piece of the jigsaw in how the season was going to pan out and what the league positions were going to be and who we were going to finish above and who we were going to deny, you know, an important win. And similarly this season, you know, City, City can wrap it up on Sunday but they're coming and playing a club who would also really like to have those three points, not just for the sake of three points to win the game, but, you know, uh, because of where it could potentially put us, which is European qualification. Um, so, I mean, it's just, it's an incredibly loaded fixture now, isn't it? Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, this is the thing, right? I don't, I don't necessarily think we're going to win, by the way. I'm not crazy. No, no. But I think our, our players must be so driven because they know if they win these next two fixtures, we will finish sixth. There's no way no, Man United right. can, can, can get past yeah, no. the, the goal deficit. It's, it's just no, not going to no. happen. No. So this, um, you're not going to have any greater motivation as a player, surely, for this fixture. No, I mean, it's, it's, it's a huge ask because obviously they have that as well. And uh, it's even bigger stakes for them because, you know, if they win this game, that's pretty much it. You know, they've got the title um, and they want that because they don't want it to go to the end of the season, you know. Um, is is wanna... it bigger stakes though? Because, yeah, it's the title, but they've had the title. How many times that they've had, they've had Champions League, they've had this, they've had that. I don't know. I just feel like... It's almost like it's such a big jump for us that it it just means that bit more. Yeah, no, of course, of course. I mean, it's, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think it is big for them. <laughs> I think they'd like to win the Premiership. No, of course, title. of course. But... And I think they'd like, they also, you know, they are now in a kind of head-to-head with Liverpool who are still in Europe and they aren't. You know, I mean, mm. I don't, you know, it... it, it it's not really that there's no point in going who does it mean most i think it means a lot to us and it means a lot to them um you know so that's why it's so loaded it's also you know the there is this added thing of it being mark i know it won't affect the game particularly but it is also mark noble's last home game uh just the weight of uh expectation on this one football fixture is just kind of mind-boggling i think mm-hmm. there will Absolutely. be tears yeah yeah Whatever happens, there'll be tears. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I sort of wonder, I, you know, I wonder if we should set up differently. I was sort of musing about it today uh, because I, th- I think they're, you know, they're, their front players are so dangerous. Um, I was just thinking, well, Dawson is like, it's, it's slow and it's turned easily. I was half thinking, 
should we play Diop instead of him? But then I thought, no, no. <laughs> well, the thing is with Dawson as well, we don't know if he's going to be match fit, right? He took that knock and yeah. came off against Norwich. Yeah. I, I mean, it didn't seem like it was that bad, but we, we don't know at this stage. No, I mean, I was sort of thinking, should we go three at the back? Should we, you know, I mean, they, they you know, they're looking. Kevin De Bruyne has decided, decided to start playing again, yeah. you know, last night and banged four goals in, which he doesn't do very often, or if indeed at all, but has always been capable of it. You know, they've they've got players that can come alive, you know, when everyone else is playing for them, seven or eight out of ten you know, Riyad Mahrez can get a hold of the game suddenly. Raheem Sterling can get a hold of it. You know, Bernardo Silva, De Bruyne. It's, 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 I wonder if there's a sort of, I wonder if there is a kind of, you know, a unique tactic with which to approach this game, you know, or whether it's just keep doing what we do, you know. How did we set up against them in the cup game? I know it's slightly different circumstances, but... Yeah, I can't really remember. No, we kind of stifled them, really, didn't we? And mm. tried to hit them on the break. I mean, you know, given Pep's sort of well-earned reputation for overthinking things and self-sabotaging yeah. by trying to triple-guess the opposition, I feel like simplicity and sticking to our strengths might be the one here. I mean, it's, it is interesting for me. It's like one of my big criticisms of him in his first spell and in the, the kind of early stage of his second spell was that he was far too conservative against like the big teams. Mm-hmm. We kind of set out very defensively with a lot of respect and quite often just didn't give a good account of ourselves and we're almost yeah. kind of too defensive. I think we've seen signs of that certainly at home this season that we've changed like Chelsea and, and Liverpool being you know, two great examples. I mean, if we go out at City like we went out again at Liverpool, we might well end up getting, letting in five or six on the break. But by the same token, we might really get in their faces and, and get a result. So I think it's quite, it is a dilemma for Moyes, but I would personally prefer us to get on the front foot and try and cause them problems rather than worrying a little too much about the problems they're going to cause us. Because I think that way, self-sabotage, self-censorship lies and, and, and we'll just kind of tie ourselves in knots, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. He's got a sort of first team that pick, picks itself, doesn't he, more or less. Um, I, I, I always wonder about Fredericks because I think he, he was sort of unusually hard done by after having a couple of games where he performed really, really well. Moy sort of often rewards that. But he didn't. He he just, you know, sort of put him dropped him back again. And then, you know, because Soufal was coming sort of into fitness after sort of being a little bit rocky after his injury. Um and the first uh, game, you know, away at Leon, I think no, away at Seville. He was a little iffy. Um, I can't remember. I think it was Leon. Um but uh, Fredericks is quick, you know. He's just got there's a there's an extra weapon that he brings, which is his pace. And uh, you know, for me, I don't think there's much between him and uh, Ben Johnson, but he's got pace. Yeah, I, th- I think Ben Johnson's a little better defensively. Fredericks is probably a little better going forward. Um, you know, and Johnson's also got that just amazing aerial ability to you know that a lot of 
fullbacks don't have because he's he's a big, tall figure. Yeah, he's good in the air. Not, I don't think he'll need that particularly if he's playing against Man City at the weekend. Although you never know. No, um, I I would imagine he'll stick with Souffal on that side and and Cresswell on Cresswell the other. Cresswell on the other, yeah, yeah, I think, yeah. I think you know that we did have a few knocks against Norwich. I mean, there, there hasn't been much about it so far this week. But obviously, Antonio went off with a, a rib injury. Is mm. he going to be fit? Um, ben Rama looked to have ended his season kicking the turf. Um, no, I don't think Ben Rama would start this game anyway. But you know, we do have a few knocks going into it. I think they've got a few as well. I think they had a, a, a couple of defenders kind of gone down. I think I did read defensive crisis somewhere on on the on the internet today. Yeah. So you know, I, I think there's something in this for us. But I think we're going to have to be brave and play to our strengths rather than worrying about theirs. Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right. Um, Yes, and it is uh, the last game for Mark Noble. <laughs> sort of, I, you know, it, it, Moyes likes bringing Mark Noble on, uh, I, I, but you know, quite often when things are when we're sort of shoring things up or things are safe, I don't feel that that's going to be the case in this game. No, I wonder no. if it was sort of given Unless a we're five, five nil down with twenty minutes to go, I imagine yeah. Mark might get a run on there. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, if things are absolutely disastrous, but if we're you know trying to keep it down to one and hitting you know on the break at the end or something, I, I don't think it will sort of change um, you know a formula that he thinks might be able to achieve something. Um, no, if, it, if it wasn't this fixture, I had this romantic scene in my head where. Mark plays, you know, for however long and then subs off and there's the ceremonial handing over of the captain's armband to deck and then we all just burst into tears. That yeah. was what was going through my head. But clearly, yeah, I, I, is he going to give him a few minutes at the end if, if that's you know, right. was lost or, or if we're... Maybe if we get a penalty. If we get a penalty at the end, maybe he'll bring <laughs> oh, him yeah. on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's not going to fail, is it? No, that feels like that should work. Yeah. yeah, redemption. What a way yeah, to end yeah. this, end his career. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Against another, yeah, against another Manchester team. But you know, they so they brought the um, the fixture time forward, didn't they? It's supposed to be four o'clock, and it's going yeah. to be two o'clock. So you know, there's going to be something afterwards. They're going to ask everyone to stay in their seats, and there'll be some kind of ceremony yeah. thing going on. I imagine the bars will be open later. I can't imagine they won't have some kind of event. So I think it's going to be a uh, a spectacle, yeah. Hopefully, hopefully a fitting one. Hopefully, something you know, classy and that actually you know does does his uh, stewardship of the club, oh, not stewardship as well. His, his, I don't know, time at the club, some honour. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, it, the news was revealed today that Yarmolenko is going to be let go at the end of the season. And this week, we've been sort of linked with a couple of footballers, which is sort of, you know, interesting because there's often radio silence for months and months and months. Uh, but uh, it's begun already. Strikers, seemingly, mainly. Uh, both Nketiah from Arsenal and um, uh, Holly Watkins from Aston Villa and some six-foot-seven <laughs> Croat, something I've, I've seen um i wonder the interesting thing i read was that um psg were willing to to pay some of Ariola's wages if we took him permanently yes that's interesting isn't it yeah because yeah, i thought we were guaranteed to not be able to afford him well, it's only yeah. for the the year that would of his contract so with you know still be saddled with his wages for the, the rest of his contract at our time mm-hmm. but yeah i mean 
I get the sense now that I think that the Europa League campaign has been really good for Ariola. I think there are a lot of doubts about him, but he's really proved himself in this competition, I think. And obviously that save that he won the, the yeah. award to save of the season for on the, on Monday night at the Players' Awards dinner is, is kind of... I, I think that there's been a little bit of a change of, of heart on Ariola in the, in the camp. And I think Moyes now looks like he wants to keep him. But I think those wages, you know, is, is reported to be on 120 grand a week. I mean, you know, we just can't pay a goalkeeper that. Um, no, no. Even if PSG pay half of that for a year, let's say, then you know, for the rest of his contract, we'll have to pay that money. So I don't know. Maybe there's something there. Maybe the player would, would do something. You'd have to think as a, as a player, you'd want to play rather than sit on a bench and, yeah, and yeah. earn that money. Obviously, I'm not a footballer, so I, I, I think that might be a romantic notion. But... If there is a deal to be done, I hope I hope we do because I think it's, I think it'd be a, a quality addition. Yeah, there is a sort of precedent for goalkeepers basically warming a bench, aren't they? Wasn't was this Cudicini? Didn't he sort of he was? Do I mean him? Was that his name? Played for Chelsea for a while. Yeah, he was a really really good Cudicini, keeper. Yeah. He's a really good keeper, but I think he went from somewhere to Chelsea or from Chelsea to somewhere to to be essentially a backup keeper and. Yeah. Um, you know, you didn't see him on match of the day every week, or unless you saw him warming up, uh, and that seemed a sort of, you know, seems a strange decision. But um, you know, I guess he liked the wages, and um, yeah, it's 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 odd because they do sort of need two good ones, don't they? But they can only play one every week, and you know, people don't substitute goalkeepers. So it's a weird, it's a weird job. You know, there are some very good ones out there that are backup keepers at their clubs, and. Don't really play very often, you know, just in reserve games. I've heard that the budget, I mean, obviously you hear things, but I heard that the budget is going to be something like 100 million and potentially another 50 if that Kretinsky guy can release some funds. The last time we spent that amount of money, we all know what happened. So yeah. what, are your thought, what are your thoughts this time around? I, I think we're going to spend that money more wisely, not just because it, David Moore is spending the money. He doesn't seem to like to spend mon- spending money. He spends football club's money like it's his own, which is no bad thing. But I, I think we're going to start, we'll, we'll concentrate it in three or four players rather than just, you know, buying 10 and, and hoping they stick. I mean, this is clearly, as we've seen over the last couple of seasons, Moyes' approach is extremely diligent and he won't just sign for the sake of it. He wants players a, in the right position, but also with the right character and the right mentality for his squad. But, you know, there's, I'd say, four glaring positions, maybe even five, where we need not just players who can who can play every week, but who will improve the team. We need a, a left-sided centre-back. We need a new left-back. We yeah. need someone in the middle who can pass the ball. Um, you know, no, we won't even have Noble to call on, and and no. Suchet for all of his strengths, passing and distribution isn't one of them. And and we to in order to become the team that we all hope we want to be, and that I think Moyes wants us to be, we need better passing quality in the middle. Obviously, we need someone up front, as we all know, and then I think possibly even a, another sort of wide threat as well. So I hope I hope that the bulk of the money will go on that midfielder and obviously Calvin Phillips is a name that won't go away and, and the thought of Calvin Phillips and Declan Rice playing together for West Ham and for England is you know pretty mouth-watering they know each other's game they complement each other and we've seen what they can do on the pitch together and and with the striker you've probably taken 
80 million out out of the pot straight mm. away just those two positions so i'm hoping that money goes on quality additions and i and i kind of think it will but then yeah. if we do that and I, I don't disagree with you at all but if we do that i think we're still stuck with the problem that we've had this season which is a very thin squad because you know even if you add a you know two or three we're going to be losing at least that many yeah. um so we're still going to be in a, a bit of an awkward position unless unless Moyes thinks that you know some of the academy boys are ready to take a step up and you know take a bench place and do a few minutes here and there I don't know yeah. I mean Connor Coventry is coming back um you know who knows if he'll be thrown into the mix next season he had a very good time at Milton Keynes Dons by all accounts you have got the likes of Ockerflex and and Nevers and and kids in the youth system who get you know rave reports every week but haven't yeah. seemed to quite make it to the bench or some of them made it to the bench went onto the pitch so yeah may, maybe he will start bulking out the, the team in that way but yeah I mean I, I agree Jim you know that all your eggs in one basket approach we've seen the limitations of that this season but clearly that's how he wants to do it we just, I think we just need enough bodies that we're not running people in the ground by, by the time it comes around of February and March next season as we did this season. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think, I think you know, he's, he's got a back four, but, um, and, you know, four centre-backs is sort of uh, um, what you need. But obviously, two of them are of quite advanced years. Um, it used to be that, that centre-backs, you know, could be a little bit older because they did less kind of sprinting and stuff. But I think the nature of the game has changed a little bit. And, uh, you know, your kind of John Stones types are sort of a bit more, you know, the Vogue than, um, you know, big James Collins and Richard Dunn type stoppers. You know, obviously, possibly some combination of the two would be good. But um, with this... You know, because often a front man, a number nine, would themselves be kind of quite an immobile, you know, Duncan Ferguson type. So what was required of a centre-back was to be a big sort of attritional, you know, lump that would sort of get in their way. But now we have a vogue for everyone's like, you know, Saka or Raheem Sterling or, you know, we we have attacking forwards, Mason Mount, you know, as we saw from, you know, Gareth Southgate's, Southgate's England team he only but had two out and out sort of recognized strikers in Kane and uh, Dominic Calvert-Lewin the rest were all attacking midfielders essentially and I think you do have to be sort of a little bit quicker as a centre-back these days and let you know Zuma is that Diop if he you know gets a run of consistency is also you know fairly rapid I think the, the flip side of that for the distribution and, you know, you now need centre-backs who can start moves, who can yeah. bring the ball out. And yeah. Zuma can do that to an extent. I mean, Ogbonna was really good at it. Whether, yeah. whether Ogbonna comes back in any kind of shape, who knows? But, like, the guy we've been linked with today at, at Rennes in France is, you know, has some of the best numbers for... He's a left-sided centre-back. He can play at left-back. Yeah. And has some of the best passing numbers in... in the French league. And I think that's, that's really telling. Yeah. He, he wants a defender that can play out. You know, Dawson has clearly been working on his Beckenbauer-esque crossfield passes because he tries yeah. about four a game at the moment. Yeah, he but he's, he's not the guy that you, you trust to kind of bring the ball out and start a move in the way that I think we need to, in order to, again, kind of keep our game moving forward and, and progressing. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, and absolutely, a left back has been, you know, a left back has been sort of essential 
for a long time. We were just riding our luck, you know, under Billets. We, we, we were going to start a season with just Darren Cresswell until Cresswell was injured in the preseason and we bought Arthur Masuaku instead of a left back. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. He's, he's got to be off, hasn't he, this season? He's got to be off. Yeah, he's been here for a while, hasn't he? I mean, he came in, um, you know, Billich's second season, so he will have been here for a long time. You know, it's, he was a you know big beginning of 2016 season, so he's been here, uh, you know, uh, um, six years. Yeah, I mean, and again, I think Johnson's versatility just kind of muddies those waters again because it's like he, I, you know, I think Johnson's probably a better left back than he is a right back. But having him in the squad might make you think, oh, we've kind of got cover at left back now. But what you then forget is normally he's covering at right back because the right back's injured or, you know, you, yeah. he, he can't play two positions at the same time. But you kind of mentally have him covering two positions at the same time. You know, we need a specialist left back. Uh, yeah, and- I think Johnson's all right. He's a squad player for me, you know. He's in Kenny Brown or something like that. He's not, I don't, you know, for me, he's just, he's, you know, he's good, but he's just not, you know, he's not great, I don't think. He's still young. I mean, you know, I think he could develop into someone. Definitely. Of that quality, but you're right, he's not there at the moment, but. Yeah, yeah, you know. You've got to have a special place for him, right, because he's one of ours. And I don't know if you saw the interview with uh, with Noble, but they were talking about a game where Noble wasn't there. Um, He he wasn't travelling with the squad. And before he left the changing room, Johnson kind of saw, he said he looked back at the mess in the changing room and saw Noble's face in his head, went back, got a broom and swept up because Noble always usually does. Right. And little things like that just make you think, ah, yeah. Yeah. You're you're one of ours, which gives, you know, maybe it's a little bit, I don't know, rose tinted or whatever, but I I kind of look on him quite favourably. Because he because he's one of ours, I think most of us do. I guess. I think a lot of well, a lot yeah, a lot of people do. I mean, certainly when they're comparing him to Ryan Fredericks, I I I don't actually think Johnson is better defensively than Fredericks. You know, I I think they're pretty similar. I have to be honest, and I think Fredericks is better going forward. But there is a lot of affection for Ben Johnson because you know, um, trademark one of our own. Uh, it, there is that. Um, he did have that incredible spell in the first half of the season where he, when he came into. The team and we were defensively rock solid and we kept about eight clean sheets in a row across the competitions when he was playing. Um, you know, it became a meme as anyone scored against Ben Johnson yet in that. Yeah, yeah. I mean he he had he had a great period of form, then he had got injured and he was in and out of the team. I still think there's a really good player in him and and over the years I hope he's a good player for us rather than somebody else. No, we should, yeah, absolutely keep him in the outfit, definitely. Um, yes, so uh, I suppose we should sort of think about wrapping things up. Uh, uh, so I guess we've got to do predictions for our Manchester Before City. that, Phil, would you mind if I just mentioned... Oh, yes, of project. course. We've got a little project that Jackie, Jackie Hughes, our good friend Jackie Hughes, came up with this idea, uh, and I'm going to be helping her out. And it was just off the back of us telling all of our stories of, of you know, Frankfurt and then you know listening to other people's stories about their... Uh, travels or away travels for our Europa sort of uh, journey and um, she came up with the idea of putting together a book of people's stories it could be you know your entire experience on a trip or just a funny little anecdote that that you know made you laugh and you think that make other people laugh Um, and the idea is that we would um, record them and then transcribe them so you wouldn't have to write them down 
um, we transcribe them for everyone. And then if you've got any photos, put those into into the same um, book that we're going to pull together. So it's a book of West Ham's Europa away memories. Yeah. Um, and the idea is that we'll create this book, publish it and sell it with the profits going to um, Hammer supporting support um, and work and the iron supporting food banks. So it's kind of a book for us, you know, for our charities. And also just to be, you know, a little bit of West Ham history. You know, everyone wants to be part of it. And this way, yeah. if, you, if you've got a story, it will live on past you and, you know, past your friends or your other people get to hear it too. So um, that's something we're doing. If anyone's listening is interested, we've set up a, a Facebook page and it's like Facebook slash West Ham on Massive everywhere we go. Um, but we're, called, we're thinking of working title, um, we all went on a European tour. So if anyone's yeah. interested in that, please get in touch. Um, it's something we're really excited to make happen. And, you know, we want, we want to hear your stories. You have to get the guy who lost his finger in Genk. Genk. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Maybe, yeah. Maybe not get a photo of that, though, in the book. <laughs> oh, I think it needs that. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Photos or it didn't happen. Um, yeah, yeah, that's a great idea. That's a really good idea. We'll, we'll link to that in the... Uh, you know stop hammer time facebook page as well uh, and yeah. tweeted out that's a great idea yeah yeah and all the games the group the group games as well as the you know the the later stages it's a great idea great idea yeah brilliant all right so um yes uh it's a terrifying prospect this manchester city game um i'm i'm going to you know head says defeat Hart says, we win 2-1. I was going to say that. <laughs> Can't say it, Dan. Well, I'm going to have to go 1-0 then. I don't believe we're going to keep a clean sheet, but I don't believe we're going to score three. So, 1-0. Oh, okay. Um... <laughs> <laughs> it's like a hallucination. Oh, sod it. I'm going to say... What did you say, Phil? 2-1? Uh, yeah, 2-1. Okay, fine. 2-0 then. 2-0. Blimey. Wow. That's very good. I'm not going to... Not on Noble's last game. I'm not going to predict against us, no. No, no. I can't bring myself to. So, um, uh, so yes, that's it. Uh, all right. Um, this has been Stop Hammer Time. Uh, very much looking forward to Sunday. It's going to be a great day. Noble's last game, you know. It's such a kind of packed. I think the crowd will just be absolutely behind the team. Um, they know that, you know, uh, it's quite possible we're going to have a kind of hostile Antwerp Frankfurt vibe going on to intimidate the Manchester City players. Uh, but it's going to be an amazing day. Uh, I can't wait. Um, so this has been Stop Hammer Time. With me have been Dan Silva. Come on, you irons. And Jim Dolan. Alvidasen. Come on, you irons. If you want to advertise on or sponsor this show, check us out at playbackmedia.co.uk. Sports Social Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.